WrestleMania 40 is in our backyard, baby. This is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I'm Christy Francesco, George Rogers, and Dean Holzapple back with me per use. Um, man, we have... Um, oh, you didn't know? <laughs> we have a um, a huge show. Go ask for the call, somebody! The, the I'm, list. I'm, so, I'm so glad you didn't fucking robot out right there because that would have sucked. <laughs> yeah. <That laughs> Your internet connection actually fucking held up. Um, since the last time we recorded a hot tag, um, quite a bit has occurred in the world of professional wrestling. Um, sure. So first, let's kind of start with something that broke today because that's as relevant as humanly possible. By the way, everybody, today we are covering SummerSlam 1999. Um, but here we go. Uh, WrestleMania 40 will be held inside Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia, uh, April 6th and April 7th of 2024. Um, boys, how about that? Um, for the last, yeah, for the last decade, uh, Philadelphia has been like basically in the like one of the finalists to get a WrestleMania, and Mm. it took a while, but. Man, I, I'm pretty pumped that WrestleMania 40, like not like 37 or 38, mm-hmm. will be, but that's a big one. 40. Yeah. Um, the last time WWE was in Philadelphia for WrestleMania was 1999, WrestleMania 15. Um, one uh, of the worst WrestleManias in the oh, history of wrestling. What a wrestling. <laughs> shit show that was. So we um, did get we did get to watch a man get hung in our backyard. We did. Um, so boys, uh, what did Which you is think? An average time. <laughs> um, George, I'll start with you. What did you think about that news? Uh, you called me. I was at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped everything that was in my hands that wasn't my phone. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm excited. I told you. I was like, by by hook or crook, we got to go to this. Like, yeah, it's it's home. You know, it, it it's in our backyard. It's it's home. Um, yeah. South Street's gonna be hopping. It's gonna be yeah, and fun. and it's one and of those things see, where we get to see how many uh, WWE superstars acknowledge uh, that Jim's is the champion and she's <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, Dean. How about you? says acknowledge me. Well, I I saw I saw it before you you guys have told me, um, mm-hmm. but because we were having text message issues for the last like seventy two hours, I didn't bother even passing on the message because i didn't know if it was going to go through so um you chris you had texted me privately and then george had texted me so i was i tried to act surprised but i had saw it like two hours before so mm-hmm. um i'm super excited um i've not been to a wrestling event since 2000 and was that eight when we went to smackdown george something like that yeah so i it's yeah. been quite some time since i've been to a wrestling event mm-hmm. and um yeah the last so, time I so yeah, no, I thought I thought George said something. That's why I stopped talking. Oh, okay. so, so I'm, yeah, I'm a hundred percent going to go to this. There's mm-hmm. nothing that's going to stop me. Um, yeah. listen, I'm all for. I'm just going to. I'm pretty content on just getting some cheap seats. I don't need to be down ringside or anything. Like that. I just want to go, Agreed. enjoy it. I passed up because we've gotten the rumble a couple times in the last mm-hmm. few years, and I passed that up. Um, yeah. you know, mistakenly, and so no, nothing's going to stop me going from this. This is going to be. Yeah, yeah, this is gonna be a great time. Both sides. I'm gonna go, and and I want to go to the Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, like, for sure. I want to do like the whole thing. Yeah. So the last time I I went to a WWE event was WrestleMania 35. Um, 
and we went to the Hall of Fame. Uh, we went to WrestleMania Access uh, up in New York. So that was a great time. Um, it was a long, long day. I mean, we went to WrestleMania Access. That opened up at like 9 a.m. So we went there at that time. And then the show itself was like 6 to like almost 1 a.m. So for those who like hate day one and day two, go to a WrestleMania before day one and day two and tell me how you felt at the end of the friggin' day. Um, when you were there for nine hours. Yeah, when you were there for nine hours. Um, just a lot of so, wrestling. So we're looking at this is two years away. My question is, what is WrestleMania really going to look like mm-hmm. two years from now? Because I know. obviously, you know, Vince has retired. Yep. Or, you know, like I guess so they say, but I, I, I think he is, I think he is retired. Um, you know, I don't think he's, I don't think he's like, you know, uh, uh, God, what was, oh my God, why am I, I was drawing a blank. Remember when he had the hood and, uh, yeah, the higher yes, power? the higher power. Oh my God. I don't think he's higher powering it from behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Um, so like, I'm really curious to, obviously they're keeping the two night format, which I think is fantastic. Yes. Um, cause I, 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 I don't know if I'd want to go if it was going to be an eight-hour show. Like it's, it's been tough. Yeah, it's hard. hard. Like, dude, it's yeah. tough sitting through it. I, I'll yeah. never forget WrestleMania 31. I drove up to North Carolina that morning. George came over to my parents' house. I was there for a few days over the weekend. Or, or no, I, I was here. Yeah, I, I took a week off. I came up. That's what it was. And I just remember sitting there, and the show started really good. I've, I've, always told, I've told this story before. I thought the show started really good. And the moment they got to that Rock and Ronda promo, it killed all momentum the show had, and I didn't care about the rest of the show. So the fact that it's two nights still makes me really happy that we're, you know, it'll be like, you know, maybe three to four hours a night. I'm totally cool with that. Totally cool with that. Yeah. yeah especially since it's not far away. You know what I mean? We don't even have to drive over there. We can just take public transportation. You know? Um, yeah. Totally I, cool. Yeah, for sure. And it's like one of those things that I was talking to somebody earlier today, and I said, like when it's it's really hard to not do both nights because Mm. i can't even imagine what it was like this year and we talked about it at wrestlemania that you know let's just say you bought sunday tickets and you Mm. found out austin was wrestling on saturday and you're like oh my god but why wouldn't you go to both nights that's my thing why would you only go to one night because people want to buy very expensive seats yeah that's no i'm 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 totally content on like, I mean maybe not like the last row in the link, but like yeah. I don't need to be super close as long as I got a good view, right? Like, you know nothing nothing's in my way. I'm yeah. completely content. I can go enjoy both nights and just kind of have a good time. So I agree. Um, all right. So, <laughs> I, to to kind of piggyback, I guess off of what Dean said, the the major major news that broke over the last week was the fact that. I can't even believe these words are coming out of my mouth at, at in 2022, but Vince McMahon is officially gone, retired, 100% gone from the company in terms of his chairman duties and his creative duties. And obviously it's one of those, you know, quote unquote forced retirement things with a lot of stuff that's apparently going to be coming out even more than what already has surfaced. Um, it is an official retirement. And I say that, because legally, once you have a press conference within in front of shareholders, um, that's not a work. You're not legally allowed to do that because 
a lot of what happens based on conference calls from quarterly numbers, stuff like that, that's where stocks go up and down. So you're mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of money and and sponsorships and it investors. Went up, which is the crazy thing. It went up like 8%. And, yeah. and they were smart. They held, they released the statement basically to where it wouldn't affect the, the, the market on Friday. Right. It was like at what, 2 o'clock, I think. So the, mm-hmm. the market was on the verge of closing anyway. So it wouldn't affect it. But right. I, man, I was... Not floored, um, because obviously there was the scandal that was, I guess, yeah, I guess a scandal you would say. It, you know, it's it's been boiling up, but you know, he has, you know, Vince is not a perfect human being, um, right. far from far from it. You know, and none yeah. of us are perfect. You know, so I mean, um, but for this to kind of take, this is crazy that this is what's taking him down. It's not the steroid scandal. It's not you know covering up you know. Snooker's, you know, murdering the uh, Nancy Argentino, or is that what I think was his name? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not the Benoit thing. It's not, uh, you know, anything else. All the, you know, the, the lawsuits about CTE and stuff like that. It's none of that stuff. It's just the, the fact that he had sex and mm-hmm. used, I guess at the moment, it's reported that he might have used company funds actually to pay these, you know, the hush, I guess, you know, they, they money, paid them yeah. all paid them off, made him sign NDAs and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's the crazy part. So um, it's like this of all things, but Hey, this is what happens when you take your public, your company public. It is. Yeah. You know, if this, this, wouldn't have, this wouldn't have happened 25 years ago because you were the sole owner of the company. Right. You know? Agreed. But, um, so yeah, I can't believe we've, we've reached this point and, you know, mm-hmm. so much has happened since then. Um, you know, Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon were named, uh, co-CEOs, uh, Triple H was uh, named the complete, basically he's running everything and anything that has to do with creative. Chris, um, who's the chairman of the board? Is it Stephanie? It's, uh, yeah, Stephanie and, and Nick Khan. Well, no, there's, there's the CEO and then there is, would be the, the chairman of the board. Are they both co, both of them? Yes. Uh, okay, I didn't know. If, I, okay, okay. Um, the chairman of the board Frank Sinatra, Dean. Ah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, um, I was listening to, I, you know, I know, I know Jim Cornette's very, you know, he's very controversial, but he was talking about, you know, Triple H's role and stuff like that. He said effectively now Triple H is the epitome of what a booker is. Yes. You know, he's, he, he runs everything, talent and creative. That's essentially what, what an actual wrestling booker would used to do. So um, that's kind of exciting. Because it's, it's it's consolidating the one guy who and very honestly, it's the right guy to get that job. He absolutely should have that job. Which is which is funny, Dean, because uh, you and I yesterday, as we were uh, as we were gallivanting around, hooting and hollering, and mm-hmm. as we do, uh, we listened to a little bit of uh, of eighty three weeks of Eric Bischoff. And, and and this is before the news broke that Triple H is going to be running creative, but he like like Bischoff's like no, I don't think Triple H is going to be the head of creative. And then it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, I think um I think that pod, I think that eighty three <laughs> weeks podcast I think went live on Friday, so it was before Triple H had been announced as head of creative. So, um, uh, I'll yeah, I'll tell you one thing. Um, I mean, you as old as like as at the age that we are, we and you know. Vince obviously has 40 years on us, uh, age wise, you know, we knew that this day was eventually going to come, but, uh, I could probably, I, I guess, speak for the, for all three of us when I said that we didn't know it was going to come this quick 
or or, no. or, 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 or this soon for that matter. I so thought like, for sure you know, he'd it, be dying in that chair. This mm-hmm. this is um this is one of the most important moments um in wrestling history at this point because yeah. you know, Vince was you know for my entire life for for all of our entire lives Vince was running the show. Wait wait when did he buy the company from his father, Chris? Uh, like 83? Uh, 82? Something? 82. Mm-hmm. So you figure 40, for, uh, a clean 40 years, he's been running that company. Yeah. Uh, you know, he survived the steroid scandal. The, you know, uh, you know all the various dealings. You know, Which he should have went to prison yeah. for. Let's be real. How yeah. he evaded prison for the steroid scandal is mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. He... he Somehow, like, like the, the company somehow avoided going completely out of business in 95, 96, going up against WCW. Mm-hmm. He, you know, Vince essentially became the last man standing in, in that whole scenario. And this is a huge time for wrestling. Because uh, as we all know, I mean, like, like AEW is the number two. And, and, and they're coming, I don't want to say they're coming up strong because the last episode of Dynamite was... Uh, widely panned by by just about everybody including Meltzer and Sap. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if I'm Tony Khan, if I'm AEW, this is the moment to strike. There's mm-hmm. a shift in power in the number one company. This is your window. If you're going to pull the trigger on something major you have, <coughs> MJF, maybe pull that trigger now mm-hmm. and Get, you know, but maybe some fans who are like, ah, Triple H is running the show. I don't know what to feel about that. Maybe grab some of those people who are on the fence who don't know what to do. But I'll I don't tell you think what, I don't I, think there's I, anybody on the fence because I, I, I agree. This is, this is what this is what people have wanted for yeah, years. This is Triple a big H deal. calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Um, like, listen, I, I I told this to George yesterday. I love Vince. I respect Vince for what he's done for wrestling and what he's given me in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. As speaking as somebody who is a massive Hulk Hogan fan. He gave me Hulkamania. Mm-hmm. You know, he is the reason. I mean, obviously, you know, Hulk had to do the duties of being Hulk Hogan, but Vince created Hulkamania. He created everything we know and love about, about professional wrestling. Yeah. But for the better part of almost a decade, the, the product has been suffering and mm-hmm. he needed to step away from creative. And now that, I mean, NXT under Triple H was, was very good. Um, so I'm excited for this. I think. I, I think it's the complete opposite. I think Tony, I think Tony Khan, you know, and when he comes down off of one of his coke binges, <laughs> needs to realize that he needs to start tying up big talent in that company that has a contract coming up in, the, in within like two years, because a lot of people are probably going to want to jump ship to work for Triple H. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a big thing. I mean that's why it I, almost it forced Tony Khan to come out right away and say uh, Malachi Black and Adam yeah. Cole are signed here through twenty twenty seven. Like unprompted, he said it. It's yeah. like oh shit, because like, he knows. Let people know exactly. If Adam, if Adam Cole would have waited a year, yeah, he'd be in that company probably getting pushed for the title. Well, here's the thing, Chris. You know what I mean, like. Like, like here's saying this is what you told me. We said Adam Cole was locked in until 2027. Right. That is, I mean, yeah, that's like that. That's a contract for 2027, but that's assuming that AW can make the money to pay him that money. Yeah. If they can afford his, you know, come, you know, after if, if they're pulling down, you know, eight hundred thousand, nine hundred thousand uh, viewers a week. Yeah. 
eventually when that contract goes to get restructured with with warner which is going to happen sooner mm -hmm. later they're going to be like all right you guys aren't making any money you're getting a different slot which is definitely going to decrease their viewership and they're not going to make any money and some of those big contracts they're going to have to pull like what vince did with brett when vince couldn't afford brett they're going to have to let him go i i think their main I issue is some of those big contracts yeah. I think I think the Daniel Bryans and the CM Punks, I mean, Moxley seems to be doing very well for them, and that's fine. But the Jerichos, the Punks, mm -hmm. the Daniel Bryans, they gotta cut these guys loose because you're not pulling you're not making three hundred and twenty-five million dollars in revenue every quarter like the WWE are. You're mm -hmm. making no money. I mean, there's no profit. I was telling everyone says, mm -hmm. oh, but they but they make great profit in pay-per-view. Turner Broadcasting gets zero dollars from their pay-per-view yeah. because they're not broadcasting it. It's not mm -hmm. welcome to uh, I don't know, all or nothing presented by TNT. It it, it doesn't work yeah. that way. Um, so they're they're going to have to figure out how to save money. WWF did it in 95, 96, mm -hmm. 97. You got to figure it out, and that's the difference between um, Vince or you know even a Nick Khan to Tony Khan is Tony wants to spend, 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 get as much talent in here. It's losing; they're losing ratings. They're signing more people and losing more viewers. Mm -hmm. It's just it. It's not. It's it's not. If I'm foreshadowing, they just have zero recipe for success. That's mm -hmm. the problem. They're throwing yep. shit at the wall and hoping that they're that people are going to come in and watch, and it's not working. It's three yeah. years in, and they can't even have two weeks in a row of a million people. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, Triple H is the only person I've ever heard bash Triple H is CM Punk. Of course, everybody, everybody loves loved working with Triple H on their NXT, See, and right. for and for years, years now, people have been wanting Triple H to take over, and. I think this is prime opportunity for guys like Wardlow, who is tailor made for WWE, and MJF to be like, I ain't fucking resigning mm -hmm. because the guy uh, I want to work for is running that creative now. Yeah. Um, because MJF, under the tutelage of Triple H, that's money. And here's when you knew things were and going I already okay. Think Jericho's going back anyway. Yeah, and here's I when think, you. I think Jericho lost all that weight because he's gonna when his contract's done, he's going for that final run. Here's how you kind of knew that things were already going much differently in WWE when you have every dirt sheet writer who spends their days ripping them the shreds. They're the ones that are out there reporting. Yeah, things are much different and much happier, uh, much smoother since Triple H and Stephanie and Nick came in every single day. Yeah. That tells you like, oh, shit, things might be getting back on track. Mm -hmm. um, it starts and I'm telling you guys right now, man, it starts with SummerSlam. Yeah. SummerSlam is going to tell us a lot of the direction of what's going to happen because they've, you know, they've had plenty of time to switch the card. They've already changed the card. Um, there is no Riddle versus Rollins. This gives Triple H a, a really good chance to kind of put something in there. Um, I think there's absolutely zero chance Brock Lesnar wins the world title now. Um, I, I don't think, think that was going to happen anyway. Yeah, it's the last time they're facing each other, so clearly it's going to be Roman. Um, mm. But something, something big is going to happen, and to me, it all begins again Monday night. I feel like this Monday after SummerSlam is almost like the new 
is going to feel like a Raw after WrestleMania. From like six years ago. Exactly. From when, when it, it actually, meant, when it, when it it meant, meant something. something. Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be, we're, you know, we're about to be in some real wild times because I've always thought over the last decade, not before that, because I thought Vince was really good up until like 2010. Um, I would even go maybe even 2012, 13. Okay. So then yeah. still the better part Something of a decade, like more yeah. than about a decade. I think in this day and age, you are going to get a lot more out of a company when talent is running talent. Um, because Triple H knows exactly what to do with these guys and they mm-hmm. respect the heck out of him. If he, if somebody like Triple H tells them what you're doing is not working, it's going to sound, a, it's going to come off a lot more authoritative and respectful from coming from a guy who did it all 10 times mm-hmm. over. Yeah. So that's where the difference is. It's true. I mean, it's true because now they know that they, they have a guy that they could be like, all right, so what can I do to right. make things better? Yeah. Opposed to, you know, I was listening to something, I think it was today, where it was like, or it might have been the, uh, 83 weeks yesterday, George. Eric Bischoff was like, yeah, you hear the stories. Vince wants to have a meeting with you. And then you're sitting outside his office for eight hours. Right. Like, dude, like, that's 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 awful business practice. It is, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't you can't do And you wonder why people like Brody Lee were just like, hey, man, can you just cop release me? Yeah. You know that's what I mean? Why, like, that's why they said one of the first things Triple H said the talent in an all-talent meeting was open door of communication. You can come to talk to me at any time you want, whenever. My phone works. My office is open. I'm going to be here. And that's that's what you got to have for that environment. Yeah. Like, imagine, you know, trying to figure out what to do with your character and Triple H is available to you at any time. Mm-hmm. To your God. Like, uh, sure. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. The Just a seismic, yeah, a seismic shift. Has happened really in pro excited. wrestling. So, and Love to Vince. be honest, hey, look, the wrestling company has never really known each other or anything about it without Vince McMahon. So, this is yeah. brand new for everyone. For yeah. us, we've never known a wrestling company or a wrestling world without Vince McMahon. Yeah. Um, that's why it was so big for guys like us. Like, I started watching wrestling in 90. You guys are probably right around there. Yes, I'm about that. Yeah, it's been this. My, my whole world has been run by Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. so this is this is insane. Um, so I'm I'm really excited. I haven't been this so excited I. for a long time. Yeah. Um, so all right, we're going to. I'll take a break, and then on the other side, we will start SummerSlam 1999. It's um, probably almost time. To, it's going to probably cut us off soon anyway, right? Right. So I figured five, six minutes, yeah, minutes. might as well just do it now and start fresh. All right. Um, all right. This is the hot tag wrestling podcast coming out of this break. We will be talking SummerSlam 1999. Very much looking forward to this. Uh, Chris, Ju- uh, Dean and Georgia here with you. We'll be right back in just a few seconds. Stay with us. Welcome back. Hot tag wrestling podcast. And now it's time to talk about while we're all here and we are continuing our SummerSlam coverage, we are talking SummerSlam 1999. Uh, just a reminder, next week, I'm going to switch things up a little bit. I'm going to do SummerSlam 1994, which was Undertaker versus The Undertaker. And we have a special guest joining us. It's going to be the, per- the person, re- yeah, I wish, the person responsible for me liking wrestling. My Aunt Nancy will be joining us for that pay-per-view because – I watched that pay-per-view in her basement, in her house, in 1994 in Northeast Philadelphia. So um, that's like a pay-per-view her and I talk about all the time. She has a photographic memory. She's a genius. 
Um, and she still watches WWE everything every single week this day and like today um so um i'm looking forward to talking to her her and i've had a lifelong beef because uh, oh my god um because um she's a massive bret hart fan and i <laughs> have always gone at it with her non-stop so looking forward to talking about summer sun next week it's for some reason in my head one of my most memorable pay-per-views ever i'll have to, um, I'll have to watch my watch my potty mouth when she's on <laughs> <laughs> um so i'm um, um we're looking forward to that but Tonight, let's talk about 1999, which is one of the biggest years in professional wrestling history. We are full-fledged in the Attitude Era at this point. So here we go. SummerSlam 1999 took place from the Target Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. August Minnesota. 20, August 22nd, 1999. In terms of pay-per-view buy rates, SummerSlam 1999 was like super successful with 600,000 buys. It was not at the level... 1998, which is the record for of 700,000 buys, but you know I'm pretty sure at this point WWE was pretty happy with that number. The the 600,000 puts them at about fourth all time in uh, SummerSlam behind 1998, uh, 2005, and 1989. Um, the seven the sold out crowd of 17,370 paid a live gate of 557,000. The merch table grabbed another 168 and a half grand, which is good for second highest of the entire year. Um, so, like, just to run down some some 1999 stats here, Royal Rumble uh, had 650 thousand buys, had a 630 thousand dollar gate, which was the the third highest of the year. Um, God, even St. Valentine's Day Massacre had 500,000 pay-per-view buys. Um, they sold $145,000 of merchandise. WrestleMania 15 at Wrestle, uh, Philadelphia, uh, $1.43 million gate at the Wells Fargo Center, um, $275,000 of merchandise. Um, just a ridiculous re- – every pay-per-view in 1999 was, was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I'm looking now, not one pay-per-view sold under 350,000 buys. Um, mm. Absolutely just ridiculous profits and, and what was going on in WWF at the time. Um, guys, before we get into, you know, the pay-per-view, 1999, guys, I mean, we're talking, this is it. This is Attitude Era. I think at this point, uh, they were just destroying Monday mm-hmm. Nitro. Oh, yeah. Um was 1999 to you guys like probably the maybe the peak of that attitude era? No, I I I think the I think the peak of the attitude era was still 2000. Okay. Uh, if you want, if you want, uh, if you want my opinion, before on um before on one of the other episodes about 1999. That was the year that I basically turned the channel over to raw and never really went back to nitro mm-hmm. like the second like the second nitro ended you know from eight to nine and i switched over to raw i never switched back to nitro yeah like there um, was there was just so much going on um on raw at that time in 99 you didn't want to miss an episode because you were going to miss something important i i agree with you um, um i i agree with george as well um I would I would say this is not the not the height, but this is like full steam attitude error right here. Like this mm-hmm. is when you think of the attitude error, it's 
I do think of like 99 because it's just this is full steam. And we're not again, we're not even to like the pinnacle of the attitude era. But um yeah, but yeah, I uh you're not to jump ahead a little bit, but I um spoiler alert for anybody that doesn't know, I completely forgot Mick Foley won this uh main event. <laughs> when I went when I went to watch it, I thought forgot. <laughs> when I when I went to watch it, I thought for sure Triple H had won. But then I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a uh, this is chainmail, uh, chainmail tank top. Yeah. Triple H. He won Pat, the title tonight. And then Pat all of a sudden Trump they counted three. I was like, no, he won the uh, <laughs> he, he won the title the next night on Raw. Right, right. When um, he hit the rock with a chair shot that would look fucking rough. Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't the one where the rock like pushed it away with his hand. Right. <laughs> that was that was one where uh where I remember the Rock was on the commentary side. He's like a true tr- Triple H's bitch to moan and he should be going after the women's title. Oh, God. <laughs> um. All right. So the twelfth SummerSlam occurred when WWE was crushing WCW in the Monday Night Wars, and business was going great at this time. But in terms of show quality, for me, I thought nineteen ninety nine was a down year. Uh, with one of the worst Royal Rumbles ever. And just like we... Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon won that one. Um, You want to play, pal? (laughs) You want to (laughs) dance? He was was right. Austin had no chance in hell. (laughs) Um, You want to get laid? Take a ball. (laughs) (laughs) Big man, you hard right now? (laughs) um and then also you know like we've already said before just a very bad wrestlemania overall Mm. um but financially speaking it was one of the best years in in the company history um with huge this was a good SummerSlam, though it was yes as well as you know big buy rates for the monthly (laughs) pay-per-views which i talked about in the beginning Mm. so while 1999 was very profitable for wwf it wasn't the best year in terms of matches like vince mcmahon was still the boss in charge of creative while Russo and Ferrara had become the head writers under him with a lot of influence. The Russo style of booking was, you know, we look back at it. It was called, you know, crash TV um, with a lot of short segments um, that were more violent, raunchy, sometimes even like really stupid. Um, You know, I, I enjoy 1999 WWE, but the match quality was honestly, in my opinion, the worst that I've ever seen up until that point. The, the Russo and Ferrara, you know, they ended up leaving, like, I think it was a couple months after this, like October of 99. Yeah. And then, October. and then to me, like George said, I think 2000 is one of the best years in company history. Um, I agree. 2000 was spectacular. Um, which just I agree. so happened. I yeah. just said, I, I think 99 is, just, this is just like, like, I don't want to say smooth, like, like smooth track under the train, but it's just like, this is the attitude error. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it's just, yeah. it's just yeah. firing all cylinders. And then like, you know, 2000, it's, it's outside of like the main event of WrestleMania 2000, like, um, you know, it was just the pinnacle of, of, of the attitude error. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Steve Austin was still the man in WWF at this point. Um, but there were a lot of reports I read doing the research for the show that his neck injury at this point was really, really bugging him. Um, hence why just a little bit later, we would not see him for about a year. Um, he had surgery, he had surgery like shortly after this, didn't he? Did he not? Yeah. When he got, you know, run over by a fucking car. Um, <laughs> the rock had turned face. 
after his backlash 1999 match with Austin. So he was like firmly in that number two babyface role. And he was obviously poised to become the top guy, which was happening very soon. Um, Triple H was the top heel by this point. He hadn't even won his first title yet, uh, but yeah. he got to the main event, you know, the main event of this show to 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 start that that rise of being that number one guy with, with the title. Um, there was a bit of controversy with this show because Jesse Ventura was the governor of Minnesota at the time, and the show took place in Minneapolis. Ventura was announced as the referee for the main event. A lot of people complained about it because, you know, Ventura said he would do it and then that it was a Sunday. So it's not like he had, you know, any work to do because it's Sunday. Um, but I thought it was a very smart move on WWE's part um, to get uh, uh, Ventura in for this event. Um, what did you guys think of the addition to, of Ventura? Do you think he helped the pay-per-view out a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He got, a, he, he got a massive pop when he came out. Plus, it's in his, uh, his home state of Minnesota where he had just won the uh, the office of the governor. Yeah, that's true. Um, so uh, the it's opening... <laughs> the opening video... The opening video package focused on Austin versus Triple H versus Mankind with Jesse Ventura as the referee. It features some controversial moments of the past referees like Mike Tyson, uh, who was an enforcer, not a referee, WWF, but uh, um, Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon. Uh, it ended with uh, Ventura's promo about being the referee, so it made Ventura look like a massive star. Um, the pyro goes off in the arena, which was full of signs, and the crowd was loud. I did notice, like, right in the beginning of when they were showing signs, there was a show that said, Big Show equals Fat Bastard. And when I... I I laughed like a doof when after reading that. Um, this might be the only time I actually didn't mind Big Show. Like, no disrespect to Paul White, stuff like that, but uh, not a fan of Big Show. But uh, but I didn't same. mind him. I didn't mind him like tagged up with with Taker and like when he first came to the company. I thought I thought he was. I thought he, he was all right. Mm-hmm. Um. So here we go. The announced team of JR and Jerry the King Lawler welcome us to the show, mentioning the six title matches and Jesse Ventura refereeing the main event. Uh, Jesse Ventura was backstage with Triple H in China. Jesse said he's law and order in the main event. Ventura said the pinfall will take place in the ring. Triple H told him he can make the rules, but he'll break them if he wants. And then Hunter left. Um, just it was a very cold way to end that promo. It didn't seem like that was how it was supposed to go. But uh Jeff Jarrett makes his entrance with Deborah. By the way, I was a huge fan of Jeff Jarrett's theme song here. Um, I loved it. Um, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I prefer chosen one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, George, a massive ovation. I was a big, was a big fan of Deborah and this blue, uh, the blue. John, she was wearing. Uh, yes, yes. Um, Deborah, you know, was a favorite of most, you know, teenage boys and men at the time. Mm-hmm. So, no question mm-hmm. about that. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, she was dating Stone Cold and they had got married like about a year later from this. Um, and of course, they were divorced by 2002. Um, but you know, there was a shot of Deborah backstage with D'Lo Brown after being told to leave by, um, or she left herself. Uh, after arguing with Jeff Jarrett in the ring, she asked him if he could go to uh, ringside with her. D'Lo said, of course. Um, she's looking at the real deal now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Lawler, Lawler was going 
batshit crazy on commentary about puppies. Um, oh, are, you, are, are you sure? Oh my, it was, it, I was already annoyed five minutes in. Um, <laughs> so, um, uh, so here we go. The opening match is the IC and European Championship. Uh, D'Lo Brown with Deborah now versus Jeff Jarrett. The um, correct term, Chris, is the Eurocontinental. That's it. Eurocontinental. That's correct. Um, the winner and pin by pinfall is the new Eurocontinental champion, Jeff Jarrett. Um, I actually give this about two and a half stars. I thought it was a really good finish or a really good match with a really good finish. Uh, the finish worked because, you know, Henry, um, uh, Mark Henry was a longtime tag partner of D'Lo mm-hmm. Brown. Uh, Mark Henry had gotten hurt. And when he came back at this point, People figured he'd be with D'Lo again. Um, Deborah was also part of the swerve because it was done to trick D'Lo. Uh, I thought the finish was done very well. Um, what did you guys think? I thought, man, Jeff Jarrett, I know he's – I'm so happy he's getting a lot of just do in 2022 um, because he deserves so much credit because a dude's been in the business for 40 years. Um, yeah. And I think he's a genius. I think he's, he's always – I personally loved him in TNA as the King of the Mountain. I did too. I really hope he's not he's not going to come out with that theme song, but I wish he would on at SummerSlam. Um, I um I didn't like Jarrett in WCW, um, but I liked this version of Jarrett in WWF uh, here. I, like I didn't like I didn't like Double J. You know what I mean? You know with the, with the with the cowboy uh, the the country music theme and stuff like that. Yeah, but and then in TNA. I really like to do because that feud he had with Sting for the NWA title when Sting like got back in the really good shape and he came back and like, that was really good. Like he was really good in TNA. Um, I, and I, I, agree. I, I agree seeing him kind of get like a, you know, I'm sure he had a little bit of an ego on him. I, I'm, I'm sure that stories of him and WCW were true for the most part. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, uh, he's always been like, like I said, cause he's, he's facing flair in, in a few days. Um, he's, he's a very good worker in the ring and, I agree. Um, you know, and so was D'Lo. D'Lo was pretty good in the ring too. Like he wasn't no slouch. So like, this was a solid opening match for the, for the pay-per-view. I, mm-hmm. um, you know, I gave it, I, I give it a three out of five. Yeah. How about you, George? Yeah. I'm right with you. But I think about a three out of five solid card, uh, match by two, by two great, very underrated workers too. I don't think D'Lo gets enough credit for, um, for his in-ring ability. I agree. Uh, and, and, and a hell of a turn too at the end with Mark Henry coming out and smashing a dealer with the guitar um, mm-hmm. that nobody would have seen coming. Yeah. Agreed. I think the, the big question before we move on to the next match is, do you think Ric Flair takes guitar shots this weekend? Uh, whatever helps him blade the shit out of his face, I'm sure he'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, one thing, two things are happening in this match. Flair's going to cry on cue and bleed on cue at the same time. <laughs> he's going to squint and his eyes are going to gush blood. Um, <laughs> it's gonna, I, I'm, I'm happy I'm not going to watch that. Um, it'll be, it'll be, be a, a good match. It's going to be a barbed wire everywhere match. I feel so bad that Jeff Jarrett has to lower himself to Ric Flair. <laughs> it'll be a good match. Um. So here we go. Next match is a tag team turmoil. Uh, two teams start the match. One team wins and moves on while the other team was eliminated. The winners of this turmoil get a tag team shot um, on Raw. 
So to open up the contest is they're going to do it hot. Edge and Christian versus the Hardy Boys, which is the new brood with Gangrel. Uh, winners by pinfall were Edge and Christian. I gave this match itself three and a half stars. It was really exciting. A good match between these two. You know, they ended up becoming, you know, two of the greatest tag teams in history. Um, you know, just two months later was No Mercy 1999, where they had the first their first ladder match um, won by the Hardy. So this is like that precursor to history being made. Um, you know, to me, I, I felt like that No Mercy match, in my opinion, at No Mercy 1999 was the match of the year. Um, so this was like a really nice tease of what was to come down the road. So that was pretty cool. Um, next up would be Edge and Christian versus Viscera and Midian. Well, we obviously know how that ends. Um, crowd, you know, Edge got a hot tag at this point and, you know, the crowd loved it. And then boom, Edge and Christian win. I give that about negative four stars. Um, Edge and Christian versus Draws and Prince Albert. Um, Another quick match uh, where the heels didn't do much in terms of making the crowd believe they could win. Um, I thought Draws actually looked pretty good for the couple minutes that he was in the ring. Draws was was really good. He was. I mean, he, I mean, I'm not going to say he was like world champion material, um, but I mean, it's a shame of what could have been if he'd, if Dilo didn't. Yeah, it's it's a freak accident. Yeah. I think, Um, I think Draws would have found himself a nice little niche in that mid card. Oh, I, yeah. I, I really do believe that he could you have know, been a, he, he, he would have found a really he would have found some life in that hardcore division that yeah. started that got some life when it was 24 uh, 7 yeah for I, sure. I, I gotta ask real fast because um you know it's impossible to find anywhere how did Delo injure draws what was the maneuver wasn't running it the power the running power was, bomb yeah the running power bomb and i think uh he slipped while doing it and when he went down uh, he lay on the back and draws his neck, and then his weight went down too and snapped his back. Uh, okay. <laughs> There's not a single piece of footage of that anywhere on any. I think it was a house no. show. That's why. No, it was SmackDown. Oh, it was, it was on SmackDown. It, it, it was back when SmackDown was taped, and they. Oh right. And this is also '99. You weren't allowed to bring in any tape. You weren't allowed to bring in any video recorders. So the mm-hmm. only cameras in the building were the ones that belonged to WWF. So okay. That 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 footage is locked in a vault somewhere right next to Owen Hart falling from the rafters. Mm-hmm. Um, the next one is the Acolytes, which was Farouk and Bradshaw versus Edge and Christian. The Acolytes get the pinfall here. Uh, I gave it two stars. I thought it was pretty decent. I thought the finish was booked well with uh, wow. you know Bradshaw recovering and Christian getting destroyed by the clothesline from hell. <laughs> um, so that was a, a just a great finish. Um, a great showing by Edge and Christian, but you know, for some reason, I guess they thought the Acolytes should win this because they sure shit didn't win the uh, tag titles the next night. Um, the next are Acolytes versus Hardcore and Crash Holly in about a negative two match here. The Acolytes win by pinfall. It was just an easy win. Uh, the Hollies were fighting each other after, you know, was their downfall. Um, so, you know, they, just to let everybody know they're not really cousins for those of you who don't know that what the fuck um, is wrong with you what are you gonna uh, what are you gonna ruin the illusion i'm sorry my past uh the magic also, is gone they they they, they 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 both also weigh in at allegedly well over 400 pounds <laughs> yes um road dog walked out in street clothes as he did his entrance like dude this guy was so over he didn't need billy gunn here he didn't even need his outfit he's walking around in a white jumpsuit with a fanny pack 
And it's a shame because Billy Gunn could have used him later on. Yeah, I know. Um, Roaming Road Dog. That was that was great. <laughs> um, dog went into the ring and said he's going to take the hardcore title back on Raw. Uh, Chris Jericho's countdown music played. Oh, I, I just loved that whole Jericho entrance back then. Um, you know. So hey, this... if we're gonna get if we're gonna get uh, Lionheart Chris Jericho uh, at Quake by the Lake. Are we gonna? Does that mean he's gonna come out with the the pony, top top head ponytail? I hope so. In his his, uh, his, his, his spray hair. Um, <laughs> yeah, this was uh. By the way, start guys, say, this was start saying ever again. Oh gosh, uh, this is Chris Jericho's WWF pay per view debut. Uh, he started on the roster weeks, like a few weeks earlier. Um, Jericho appeared on the stage near the entrance area. He said he was disappointed because WWE you know, put on this big pay-per-view called Summer Summer Sham, and the people were conned into wasting their money. Um, Jericho mentioned the, the boring list of matches while the, the noting the worst of which is standing in the ring right now. Um, Jericho told Road, Road Dog that nobody cares about him. Um, <laughs> Jericho ripped on Road Dog for his stupid clothing and Stevie Wonder hairstyle. Um <laughs> So it was. Um, and he also said he's like he's like you think you're smart because you can spell your name or spell lugubrious. <laughs> God, it was so good. Um, to me, this was a great way to just kill a few minutes and get Jericho on the show. I I I read online like people hated the material material for the promo. I thought it was good on Jericho's end. Um, yeah. I I it, I felt Jericho probably should have been on the show hands down over a lot of other people like mm. i didn't need big boss man versus al snow i, I hey, could have used what's wrong sorry. with you i'm sorry um i i would have liked to have seen jericho wrestle um there's just no good reason to me why he's not in a match here um t- two weeks earlier he was literally going at it with the rock so it's yeah. like what is going on here um next match is uh Hardcore championship, big boss man versus Al Snow. The winner and new hardcore champion was Al Snow. Um, I actually gave this match about two stars. Um, for a hardcore match, I thought it was pretty good. They worked real hard. Um, and I always kind of thought big boss man was just an underrated worker. Even from the late 80s, all, like working that that run with Hogan for a while, I thought, man, boss man can go, man. So, um yeah. I, I I gave it two stars. I was never an Al Snow fan. I could care less. I know he was, you know, uh, he just never did anything. I mean, he got head, which was great. Um, it's probably, but it's probably because you hate head, so you're like, mm, yeah, I don't I, like this Al Snow. Yeah, fan. God, it's, it's like you don't even care about the the new rockers. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Marty, um, Marty Gennetti no was one. A, Eddie twice. <laughs> <laughs> three times no. if you count as 19 with that with the one two three kid no it's true <laughs> um ivory makes her entrance here for the next match by the way ivory was beautiful at this point oh but um, chris before we go on to that match i want to say i like how the hardcore match ended with al snow uh grabbing a few pull balls and hitting and hitting boss man in the dick with it and then putting uh, him on a table yeah that, <laughs> great oh boy what a just wonderful um but it gets you know even worse here so let's just mm-hmm. keep going here uh I've wwe match by the way <laughs> yeah you should have um so <laughs> warned me. yeah wwf women's championship ivory versus tory winner by pinfall of ivory 
I give this about negative 50 stars. This was so bad. They messed up a couple spots, including the finish, because Tori just wasn't a good worker. Ivory was always a really good worker. Um, How did Tori become a tough enough trainer? I don't even know. Um, The crowd hated the match, too. Post-match, this is where it gets really good. Post-match, Ivory takes down Tori, took off Tori's top by taking off the strap on the back as Tori was face down on the mat. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luna tried to run out and save Tori. Mm -hmm. Luna chased Ivory to the back. Tori was left in the ring with her hand covering her chest and holding her top. By the way, this is a few short weeks after Ivory wrote Slut uh, Mm -hmm. and on Tori's (laughs) stomach and Skank on her back with shoe polish. (laughs) This is What a a time to be alive, folks. This is long-term great storytelling. Look, um, look, look how far we've come now yeah it's i have like no i had no memory that this even happened like the women's division was non-existent in 1999 yeah, um, so if if i'm not mistaken chris and i'm i'm using my my memory on this so i'm sure i'm wrong mm-hmm. so, so somewhere down the line like ivory started kind of bashing like all of the women <sighs> i mean all five of them that were on the roster yeah to the point that like um that, that's when the fabulous Mula and Mae Young came back to the company and Mula ended up beating Ivory for the women's title some fucking how in the worst <laughs> roll-up in wrestling history. Oh, just bad. Even Broken Neck Austin rolling up Owen Hart was a better fucking roll-up than Mula pinning Ivory. Yeah, it's just bad. The Rock was interviewed by Michael Cole backstage. Uh, the Rock took the microphone as he spoke about how he didn't care about Billy Gunn's surprise. Uh, Rock said that every Rock fan is going to stand on their feet and chant Rocky for him. Rock said the millions and millions and of Rock's fans are going to chant his name. And then if you smell what the Rock is cooking, this whole program killed the singles run of Billy Gunn forever. So, um, <laughs> so that's, that's, um, that's pretty much how I, I felt about that. But you here mean, we go. You mean to tell me? That the Rock pulled an ego card on somebody. Oh, you're right. I never would have thought that. Damn. He just did. He just rumors he did this past weekend. I'm sure he did. <laughs> um. All right. So here we go. Lions Den weapons match. Ken Shamrock versus Steve Blackman. The winner by knockout is Ken Shamrock. I actually gave this about three stars. I thought this was a tough match to rate. Because it was a lion's den instead of a ring, I thought the Shamrock Owen one was better. What was that like the year prior? Um, yeah, I thought it was better. Blackman wasn't the worker Owen was. Obviously, there were some slow spots in the match, but some of the violence really helped it. And also, you know, truth be told, at this time, I actually liked Steve Blackman. I thought yeah, me too. whatever that company gave him, I felt he made it work. Um, so, you know, kudos to him also for getting into a lion's den with an absolute weapon <laughs> in Ken Shamrock. Um, so, Excuse me, but Steve Blackman is the, is the lethal weapon. Presence. Well, Steve Blackman so, in real life is Shamrock a legitimate badass. scared being in the lion's den. Well, yeah. I mean, like I said, Steve Blackman in real life is a legitimate badass. I think he's ran like his own jujitsu gym, gym for like 20 years. So he's... He's a legitimate dude, um, but he's not Ken Shamrock. Um, so, test was I, shown. Uh, Good. 
No, we lost him. Oh, we lost him. Tess was shown backstage. Kevin Ke- uh, Kevin Kelly tried to interview him, but Tess said uh, talking time was over. Uh, I got to get my pencil for my Scantron now. Uh, Tess entered with his ribs taped because Shane McMahon attacked him earlier in the night. Uh, Shane McMahon entered to No Chance in Hell song, which was Vince's theme song. Shane didn't have his theme song yet at the time. Uh, the Mean Street Posse trio of Joey Abs with a cast on his ankle, Pete Gas with a neck brace, and Rodney with his arm in a sling were there. Um, Pete and Rodney were like, you know, legitimately two of Shane McMahon's real life best friends. Uh, and Joey Abs was a wrestler signed to be part of the group. Um, they were selling the injuries from the previous weeks where Test um, attacked them all separately. So that brings us to this Greenwich Street fight: Test versus Shane McMahon. Yeah. Winner, skip this too. <laughs> I mean, winner by pinfall. I have is, is Test. I gave this almost four stars. It was a fun match in front of a hot crowd, and I thought it exceeded expectations. You know, Test was still pretty green at this point, and Shane was far from proven. But they, they set up really well with a lot of cool spots using the posse, uh, followed by Briscoe and Patterson helping Tess, which was great. I Man, thought it was Briscoe just. And Patterson got a pop, too. Oh, my God. It was when such an entertaining match. <laughs> yeah. The storyline, I thought, you know, really worked. Although a few months later, he was basically written out of the story as Triple H married Stephanie. Tess never really, you know, got his <laughs> revenge. Um he became a mid card of the rest of his career and then just like died. Um, it was Literally. awful. It was awful. Um, let's see. Post- I, guess I guess I'll die now. <laughs> Post match, Stephanie went in the hug test. JR said this was a special relationship that was free at last. Okay. Little did she know she was about to get chloroformed a little couple months later. Uh, test left with Stephanie, Patterson, and Briscoe as the winner. Uh, video package would then air to set up. The, the tag team championship match between uh, Kane and X-Pac going up against Undertaker and Big Show as heels. Kane saying, suck it, using a voice box was always hilarious. Suck it. Uh, let's see. Here we go. WWF tag team champions Kane and X-Pac versus The Undertaker and Big Show with Paul Bear. The winners by pinfall and new tag champs is The Undertaker and Big Show. I give this about two and a half stars. I thought it was a decent match to put over the dominant heels, you know, to, you know, two near seven footers. I thought the finish could have been set up a little bit better because it was a pretty flat ending. X-Pac taking the pin made sense since it was about the big guys on the other side dominating the match. Um, what did you think of this one, George? Um, yeah. I mean, it was a good match, but it just kind of ended. Yeah. Like Big Show hit him with the choke slam and did, did like the cocky pin, the foot on the chest. X-Pac kicked out. And then Taker came in Tombstone, and then that was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, also, I also couldn't remember the circumstances that Undertaker and Big Show became tag team partners. Mm-hmm. Because, like, two months prior, Big Show chokeslammed him through the ring. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's Big Show. It's the heel turn. So Weren't they – wasn't there some sort of stipulation that they had to be tag team partners? No, I think it was something. I know at one point they were calling themselves the Unholy Alliance, but I, that didn't oh. stick for too long. But I think it was something like, I don't know, maybe Big Show was learning from Undertaker or something because the ministry was basically done at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just randomly, Big Show started following around the Undertaker and doing oh. what he did, I guess. Um, 
first thing I noticed thing about this match, um, like my biggest takeaway, it was it was a good match. But mm-hmm. did anybody else think that Kane looked smaller than Taker in this match? He did. I guess they didn't have the lifts in his boots like he did before. Because he de- when they went, they were on the outside of the ring. Taker definitely looked taller than Kane. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, actually. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm going to have to definitely go back and see that again because I think you're right. Um, post-match, Undertaker looked angry at Big Show because of his lazy cover on X-Pac. The two don't big, big men... Big Show and lazy, you don't say. Yeah, you don't say. Um, <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> um, here we go. Steve Austin, the WWF champion, was shown talking to Jesse Ventura backstage. Jesse let him know the pinfall will be in the middle of the ring. Austin walked away defiantly. Uh, Billy Gunn is now making his entrance under the ring name of Mr. Ass, which is what they called him officially. <laughs> we'll, I guess we'll call him Billy Gunn here. Uh, he had a person under a sheet that we couldn't see. JR said it's a kiss my ass match. Uh, Gunn said the person under the sheet is a big surprise. Just to let everybody know, it's a fat woman in a dress, and he said the rock will kiss her ass and then find out what she is cooking. <laughs> um, and I sent you this, Chris. It's like, just, Jim Ross was like, that is a full-size woman. <laughs> no yep. offense, ma'am. Um, I, uh, I, Chris, I want to remind you that this match is not what ended Billy Gunn's solo career. It was the promo that led the promo. to this match. Right. That, that led yeah. to the, I mean, his solo career. <laughs> Uh, the Rock entered to the Rock entered to a thunderous ovation. This was the same night where Rock um, did a legendary promo on Heat, ripping on Billy Gunn and doing it. You know, it doesn't matter what your name is. It when Billy was trying to talk to God, um, <laughs> I believe it was also the first time the Rock did it. Doesn't matter things, so that makes it pretty historic because it's it's a classic classic mm-hmm. promo. Um, so here we go: The Rock versus Badass Billy Gunn. The winner by pinfall is The Rock. I gave this about two and a half stars. Um, you know, it was a basic match without much excitement. They could have used some better near falls and make people get into it more. Mm. You know, the clean win for The Rock is as it should have been since he was the bigger star, obviously. But, um, you know, I thought The Rock tried really hard to, to help Gunn get over here, but it just never worked for Billy Gunn. And I just don't understand why. Um you know, he was a great tag team wrestler. I, I I know they said he had a really bad asthma, which really hurt him in terms of a push to be a main eventer. But, you know, that can be messed with if you just, you know, wrestle all your matches under 15 minutes. It's not a big deal. Um, mm. What did you guys think of the match? It, uh, I thought when I was watching this was how much I missed The Rock as a professional wrestler. I See? That's- that's literally all I was thinking about this entire match. It was just like, man, I miss him in that ring. <laughs> yep. Yep. How about you, uh, was, George? It was a solid match, but I feel like, you know, like the rock was literally just wrestling for the world title and he's slumming it with Billy Gunn. No mm-hmm. offense like, to like Billy Gunn, but it's like, if he just won, like, like Billy Gunn had just won the King of the Ring. They were calling him King Ass. Um, <laughs> but they could have done something else, like for Billy Gunn, rather than stick him in a program with The Rock where he got just fucking brutalized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like he pissed off someone. They were like, oh, have The Rock at this It was like, it was like, 
it was like his solo career failed so badly that they brought the New Age Outlaws back like a month and a half later. Oh, yeah, that's it's unbelievable. I mean, they, they knew what they had to do there. Um, all right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back in, we'll wrap up SummerSlam 1999. Um, and uh, looking forward to getting to that main event and then discussing mm-hmm. what we got coming up next week. All right, this is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. I'm Chris. Uh, George is on my left, and the power bottom tonight is Dean. Um, no, you, you, guys just, you guys are just riding me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we'll be right back in just a few seconds. Stay with us. Welcome back, Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. SummerSlam 1999 is about to be a wrap here. Um, so let's continue what we're doing. And here we go. A video package aired to set up Steve Austin versus Triple H versus Mankind for the WWF Heavyweight Championship. There was a match on Raw where China pinned Triple H in a three-way with Undertaker and Austin uh, hit Hunter with a chair to the head. That made China the number one contender. Triple H called her an ungrateful bitch, so he had a, a match with China. Mankind showed up to hit Hunter with the steel steps, and China pinned Hunter again. Uh, Mankind said he wants a piece of SummerSlam as well. It led to China versus Mankind which was a win for mankind using Mr. Sacco against China. That's not the first time that, never mind. Um, that led to Triple H versus mankind to determine the number one contender for SummerSlam. There was a controversial double pin with two refs, which was Shawn Michaels and Shane McMahon. So Linda McMahon said it would be a triple threat match at SummerSlam. Um, to me, I felt like this had Vince Russo written all over it because it was probably one of the most confusing builds to a championship match ever. Um, they, they probably could have set this whole triple threat up a lot easier, but in 1999 with like Russo at the helm, things got complicated pretty often. Um, but Jesse Ventura makes his entrance, uh, the governor of Minnesota and former WWF, you know, superstar and announcer. So he got a pretty good ovation God. from the home crowd. I love um, listening to him talking in a wrestling ring because it just brings back memories. It He's, does. I always, I always say him and Gorilla was my favorite all-time favorite announced team. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Take it easy there, Gino. <laughs> um, Mankind makes his entrance, so a lot of cheers as well. He was a popular babyface at this time, um, probably third in the pecking order uh, behind mm-hmm. Austin and The Rock. JR noted that Mankind was out for about three months before this due to a knee injury. Triple H entered with China by his side to that badass My Time theme. Um with his uh his what was it his uh chain his chain vest chain at the time, vest. yeah a couple about a you know around this time trying Scott to make Steiner, my, my trying, trying to make trying to make my boy parts tingle. <laughs> yep, there was like right about this time where uh, Scott Steiner decided to take a a steel you know vest and wrap it you know around his head. Um, the the Triple H was booed at this point when they entered the ring. Ventura warned China about trying to interfere. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out to a massive, massive yeah. pop as usual. Austin was still working a full-time schedule here, but there were a lot of reports, like I said at the beginning, that that his neck was pretty messed up here, so he was going to be taking some time off. Um, going, Like I said in the beginning, going into this match, I thought Triple H had won because I was like, well, yeah, I think this was like his, his first big title win. And I had forgot that it was a tele- that he won that on television. The problem with this one is that Ventura was the referee. So having a face referee 
raise the hand of a heel, I felt, oh, that's, that's unlikely. And that's, of course, how it ended. Um, so here we go. Winner and new champion, Mankind. Um, I gave this match about four stars, like three point, you know, three, uh, three, uh, three quarter star. That was a good main event. One of the better main mm-hmm. events of 1999, uh, which, like I said, I thought was not a great year for in-ring action. Uh, it was an entertaining match with a surprising finish because I don't think a lot of people expected Mankind to win. Um, I have uh, for- I can I can say I completely forgot. Yeah, yeah, I it's uh, I did. Um, you know, I had forgotten some of the crazy bumps from Mankind because Foley just did those. Uh, look, I'm the first to admit I'm not a Foley fan. I think mm-hmm. he was exactly. I'm the, I'm the second to admit it. <laughs> I, I, he was to me exactly what Ric Flair called him, just a glorifying stuntman who just wanted to kill himself. That's all. I, mm-hmm. That's all. I, I, he was. He had good promos, but I his style of wrestling to me was dumb, and he belonged to have a career begin and end in ECW. That's what he mm-hmm. wants to do. I just didn't care for it. Um, but hey, look, people loved him, and I know that I'm in the minority with that. So all the power to him. Uh, as as am I, Chris. As am yeah. I. That's basically John Moxley now. I I agree, he, but at least mankind can cut is, a promo. <laughs> Completely <clears throat> uh, double arm DDT finishers. Mankind could cut a decent promo. But yeah, Moxley is actually a pretty decent wrestler. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, we just, saw that. He, yeah, exactly. You, you know, but he just wants to do outlaw indie mud show bullshit. Yeah, I agree. You know, so yeah. Um, it makes me cringe, man, when I watch man Mick Foley matches like nowadays, because it's just what he what he did. Um the, to me the finish felt a you bit. You mean like flat. the I quit match with him in the rock? Oh god. When it was just chair shot after chair shot, I'm just like, wow, yeah. I like this back in what was it? It's like it's what like year this, was that? Ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was January. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was just uncomfortable. Like it's uncomfortable to watch now, but like you know, when I was 14, I'm like, oh, this is great. Oh yeah, of course. But now you're just like, wow. Like, how is he like, still watch, like this is this is like watching a snuff film? <laughs> <laughs> but now they do that on Wednesday nights and people think it's the greatest thing ever. It's like, yeah. it's like don't all you right, realize all right, all like, right, we'll be honest. You get it. You hate AEW. <laughs> all right, God, Jesus. Get out of here. You're not a big boy. You don't play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the best. Um, <laughs> the, to me, I, I I felt the finish felt a little flat because, like I yes. said, people people wanted Austin to win so bad. So when he got beat, I I think that that killed the crowd a lot. It's not what they paid money to see, and I I firmly believe that. You know, yeah. it was it was weird for a main event match because there weren't a lot of pinfall attempts. You know, I, I imagine that was by design because they didn't want Jesse to have to go to the mat and count like a bunch of, you know, um, false finishes. Um, I thought the China, the China spot and the Shane spot were booked, you know, were well booked to really pop the crowd by having Jesse show his authority. Um, but, you know, Mankind was handed the WWF title by Ventura. Mankind left the ring with Ventura as a crowd cheered. And, um, you know, that's back in the ring. Hunter attacked the right knee of Austin with a chair. Hunter hit Austin with the chair several times. China was in the ring, preventing the referees from helping Austin. Hunter kept on attacking. She really did. 
Um, Triple H kicked Austin out of the ring. Austin was on the floor. Referees looking at him. Hunter's music played because I guess when you beat somebody up after a match, you get your music played. Um, The show went off the air with Austin looking, getting looked at by officials. So, look, um, a big time pay-per-view like this, you know, an injury angle is what takes them off the air. Not the last thing you see being a new WWF champion. That shows you how over Austin was. Um, Mm -hmm. After this, Austin was given time off over the next two months because of his neck and knee injuries. Um, Austin did serve as the referee at the Unforgiven pay-per-view the following month. Um, he returned to the ring in October uh, at No Mercy to put over Triple H. Um, what was your guys' thought on the uh, the finish here? I immediately Googled to make sure that this wasn't a botch. Oh. Because hmm. I, I, I forgot fully won the match. So when it just kind of happened, I was like, that why don't I remember this? So yeah. I like Googled like, like Wikipedia or whatever and was just, and like nothing came up. I was like, Oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. I, like I was trying like, cause they, they always say like, if somebody doesn't kick out, you count the three. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. You know what I mean? So I was like, I want, I was thinking like, did like Austin forget to kick out? Like for some reason, the ending of this match was completely erased from my mind. I had couldn't for the life of me did not remember this happening. So mm-hmm. it caught me off guard. I was like, eh? no, does this get restarted? Does the match get restarted? Like I was just like dumbfounded. So yeah, no, I mean, it was just like, oh, this had to be a, this had to be like a botch. Mm. Uh, I guess I it was, guess a, good, it was a good match, though. It was a good match, mm-hmm. though. Chris, was there some sort of, uh, is there some sort of urban legend that the reason why mankind won was because Austin didn't want to put Triple H over? I think I heard that somewhere, but I think that's just, I think that's just people talking just to talk. I think so. I think we lost George. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. But yeah, I think, um, I think it's an urban legend. It's just not true because I I think, you know, Triple H and Austin have talked numerous times over the years that, that, you know, Austin would sometimes be very difficult to work with, with Triple H, but never had a problem putting him over. They had a great rivalry multiple different times. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I remember specifically what Survivor Series 2000 or 2001, just just unbelievable. Um, I think it was like two out of three falls match that they had. Um, one of my favorite matches. So, yeah, I I think that's just an urban legend that was never confirmed. Yeah. Just, uh, just think, Chris, this was the last time Stone Cold was going to hold the WWF Championship until WrestleMania 17. That's insanity. Yeah, he missed all of 2000, basically. Yeah. So it's... Just wild, man. Um, so there, there, there was controversy about the finish because a lot of people felt like it was the right time to put the title on Triple H. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, with a face Governor Ventura as a referee, that made it difficult for WWF to put Triple H over. We, you know, especially with so much press covering the event, I'm sure WWE wanted Ventura to raise the hand of a good guy, um, even though Mankind had a unique look with a mask covering his face. But um, you know, the, the, the reason I guess there was the controversy is like like George said, I mean, there were rumors that Austin just didn't want to put Triple H over because he felt Hunter wasn't ready for it. And I just don't think that's true. Um, you know, I remember in the wrestling observer yeah, Hunter's I, not ready for it, but uh but mankind is. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, like here's where Dave Meltzer to me becomes even more of a dumb fuck idiot that he is. <laughs> and 
it was written by Dave at the time, but the plan was for Hunter to go over and that it changed because people on the internet figured it out. And that's the reason why Vince changed it. Like, it's just, he wouldn't, just a, 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 an idiot. Like, I swear he should have owned Elmer's Glue Company at the time because all he would do would eat it and spread it on everything that he ate. Um, plus, Austin put over, and, and then you look at it, Austin put over Hunter, like, clean at no mercy two months later, which showed to me Austin had no problem putting him over. Um, I know Austin had a rep for holding down Jeff Jarrett, which was factual. Both guys have said that. Um, he did the same thing about turning down an angle with Billy Gunn makes total sense. Um, you know, for what it's worth, I think it was simple. Ventura is a baby face as the governor can't, can't hold up the hand of, of a heel right now. And, and I guess it makes sense. I don't like it, but it makes sense when you look back that way. Um, so, uh, overall guys, what did you look, think about this pay-per-view? I thought it was a fun pay-per-view. I mean, I love, I, I, I love 1999. I mean, like the match quality wasn't there, but storylines were really good. And I was, you know, on a week to week basis, I was, I was invested in what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. So out of a 10, what would you give it? Uh, out of a 10, I think I'm going to go, I want to go about seven, I think. Okay. All right. Maybe uh, six and a half. But I think I'm going to, but I think I'm going to bump it to seven. Okay. Possibly. All right. Um, Dean? I give it somewhere around seven, seven and a half. It was a, it's a solid pay-per-view. Yeah, I agree. I give it a seven. Um, I thought it was an above average pay-per-view that was lacking a little bit though, in terms of a standout match. The main event three-way, um, Tess versus Shane and um Edge and Christian versus Hardy's, I thought were the 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 matches that helped save it from being a disaster. Um uh, but yeah, um great. I think it was a really good show overall. I thought it was um uh, I think overall, I still think it was better than 1998. Uh, yeah. Definitely wasn't better. No, I think in terms of like maybe the match quality, because I thought the main event of 98 was just, it fell really flat to me um, watching that but again. The, but the latter match between the Rock and Triple H make up a that, lot. Of, uh, that was just amazing. Look, I, I, I love watching that match. Plus, mm-hmm. I love the, the purple tights on Triple H. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yeah. <laughs> By the way, happy birthday. Happy 53rd birthday to the game, hey. the new hey. the new king of pro wrestling. Um, so that's pretty awesome. All right, guys, that's a well, wrap. He is the king of kings. He is. Um, that's a wrap on SummerSlam 1999. Next week, SummerSlam 1994, Undertaker versus The Undertaker. Also, I think that was also the night where we saw Owen Hart versus Brett inside the blue cage, yes. which was awesome. Yep. Absolutely mm. spectacular. With, Can't uh, wait to cover with, that. With, uh, with Neidhart and Davey Boy in the audience. Mm. Yep. So that's going to be a good one. I think it's an underrated pay-per-view, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So that's a wrap. Uh, Dean, George, thank you guys so much. Uh, Hot mm-hmm. Tag Podcast on Instagram if you guys want to shoot us a follow or comment on anything. Um, I'm Christy Francesco. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week and weekend, and we'll catch you guys down the road. Have a good one. Bye-bye.